Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I'm sitting with Jake Carls. He is a co-founder at Midday Squares, a company that is trying to redefine snacking, specifically with chocolate snacks. So we had a cool, cool conversation about building community, what that's like, how to have personality as a brand, and really how to speak to your customers and get them involved in the process. So check this one out. I think you're going to like it. But before we get into that, as always, look, we're a marketing agency. And that's what we got to promote before we get into the show. So if you are struggling with your social media content or paid media campaigns on social, head over to our site, cavesocial.com, and we will be able to help you out. All right, now that's over. Let's get into the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm sitting with Jake Carls. He is a co-founder at Midday Squares, trying to build the next biggest chocolate snacking company. Jake, how you doing? How's it going, brother? Well, it's been a quite a crazy day, so uh, I'm doing okay, but we had our biggest crisis yet actually happened the past two days, so quite wild actually is the word I'd say. Okay. Okay. What happened? Care to dive in before yeah, we get into this? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll obviously dive in. So we basically, one of our old employees ordered one of our ingredients and they actually ordered the wrong ingredient and it arrived last week because it takes, you know, there's a three month lead time on it and it came in and it, it actually couldn't be used in the product. So we realized about five days ago that we actually can't produce the product without it. And even if we tried to use any other one we've sampled, it just doesn't taste the same. So we went through this crazy thing of what the fuck, excuse my language, what did we do, you know? So we've been staying up till about like three in the morning every night trying to call overseas, getting the product in here, and we just can't. No one has it. It's not the time right now, I guess, with the pandemic and restaurants a lot being shut. The demand isn't there for the items, so they're not growing it. And so we're just looking for solutions because without production, we have zero bars in our fridge to sell. We can't sell the product, and the opportunity cost is quite big. So I think they found a solution literally 10 minutes ago, so it's super exciting too, but it's still not perfect. So we're not 100% sure, but we're 96% sure. That sounds stressful, but those are those battles when you go through, you come out the other side and you're like, okay, we made that work. We've, we found a way to, to make it happen. For anybody who hasn't heard of what you guys are up to, Midday Squares, break it down. What is the company? So we call it the first functional chocolate company. And why we call it that is because we basically took the chocolate bar, the standard chocolate bar and a protein bar. And we had a baby between the two, but we eliminated all the artificial stuff that's in like protein bars and chocolate bars. So we took away the preservatives, the additives, the synthetic ingredients, and we made it a clean label product. So it's all plant-based. It's vegan, obviously. It's 12 grams of protein, eight grams of fiber, and it keeps you full for three to four hours. So when you have that craving for chocolate at like two, three o'clock in the daytime, this is the snack that's going to satisfy your chocolate craving number one and number two carry you over to your dinner or your gym that you're going to go to after work so we really built it for the afternoon snacking space but focused on clean label products under real chocolate so nothing underneath 60 percent cocoa or actually our cocoa is actually 90 percent, so it's dark so that's what we built it for and yeah we're a manufacturer so we do everything in-house which is really cool a lot of companies don't it's a lot of risk on that but we took it and we swung and listen it's been a crazy 2.5 years since the beginning of launching wild absolutely wild so walk me back then. Let's get back before you launch, right? Where did this idea come from? Talk me through that inception process of the company. First off, I joined as the third co-founder August 2018. We actually had this idea. It was brewing with my sister and my brother-in-law months before that. You know, I think it was 10 months before that. They were working on this chocolate snack 
to solve his problems, my brother-in-law's problems with his cravings for chocolate. He was eating nonstop chocolate every single day. And long story short, they were just working on it for fun, not really sure what they were going to do. They want to experiment working together, obviously being married and you know being together. It's not easy to work together, but they really wanted to. So what they did was basically Nick went out and found this data where he got from a big corp, basically sent him their data over the years and found out that real chocolate was growing 42% year on year. So real chocolate being anything about 50% cocoa mass and vegan protein. So plant protein, whether that's protein bars, protein, you know, in alternative proteins was growing 36% year on year. And the data showed that if you make the baby with the two of them, it's a white space. No one's doing it. And so he said, holy shit, this is what Leslie, my sister, was making him at the time, was exactly what the data was showing. So he right away got out of the shower that day and he's like, we're commercializing this product. So skip months later, they worked with McGill Food Science um, program to help commercialize the product, you know, work on the lab testing, the, the actual commercialization, the bacterial loads, all that stuff to make it available on shelf. They reached out to me and I was like, hell no, I ain't joining no chocolate protein company. There's so many bars on the shelf. You go to the aisles of any grocery store. It's a full 12 feet long full of different companies why would we enter into that market i didn't believe in it i didn't love chocolate i actually loved candy so i said no i directly said no for 33 percent of the business i said immediately told nick absolutely not he ended up trying to convince me for three months okay to join the company and, and i just didn't believe in it i didn't believe in the chocolate protein space so one day I was going through a hard time. It was, it was about July and I got canned. I like to use the word canned. I got canned by my ex-girlfriend at the time and I felt really low. I wasn't doing anything. I didn't know what I wanted in my life. And I was constantly in this lost period where I was just sulking every single day, completely sulking. And I said to myself, well, I could actually keep busy if I join Nick and Leslie, my brother-in-law and my sister, on this journey and just do what I got to do. And what they wanted from me was just be yourself. Come onto the company, make noise for the brand and help us launch it. So I said, you know what? I literally have nothing else to do. I have a bit of cash on me. Let me put it into the company and let me keep my mind off of my what I was going on in my personal life. And I joined August 2018 and then from there it was history. We just launched it and my job here still remains be Jake in quotations and I'm still doing what I love to do. And I think what's interesting about it is that I didn't believe in the product at first. I didn't believe in the goals that they had set, their North Stars of, of revenue and stuff like that. I couldn't believe it in my eyes. I just wanted to be kept busy. And I ended up falling in love with this business and actually building it. And obviously now I love chocolate. I think, uh, you know, 2.5 years later, having a bar every single day, uh, you start to fall in love with it, right? So that's a little bit about the inception story of Midday Squares. Very cool, man. Almost accidental, right? The accidental founder and... Uh, but then one of the things that I think you said that it's really important is like, and it happens with a lot of people I have on the show and people I interview is they start something. It maybe wasn't their life's passion when they, or they, what they wrote it out on a board when they were, you know, 18, but the deeper they got into it, the deeper that they fell in love with it and realized, oh, we have something here. And it became more about building something that they can get behind one, not only the product, but two, more importantly, the people also building that product, right? So it sounds like you got both of those there with the product, but then two, working with family and being able to really lean on each other and go, okay, let's do this. Like, let's pull up our bootstrap, so to speak, and let's get to work. And that leads me to the next question. How has it been, you know, coming from zero and establishing a brand and saying, okay, we're going to have a brand voice, a presence. We're going to stick out from all those other bars that are on the, that supermarket shelf, as you talked about. How has that process been? And what are some of the differentiators that 
have really helped midday squares stick out? Has it just been the ingredients? Has there been anything particular with marketing or positioning that you uh, have seen work? Yeah. So great question, by the way. So first of all, I think it's important that we, we really hound down that team is really important. Like you said, I found the right people and I was given the ability to play with my strengths, not my weaknesses. So Nick and Leslie, when they asked me to be partner, they said, we're going to let you play to your strength. You're just going to swing on your strengths. So your strengths is people building noise, making a brand known and getting it out there. And that's what you're going to do. So I didn't have to worry about anything from the operational side or the manufacturing side of the business or even anything to do with anything with R&D. I wasn't good at that stuff. It's not for me. I failed on other businesses doing that. And that's a big thing. When you're picking your partners, you better sure as hell have people that either complement your skill set or allow you to be yourself and allow you to be you. And that was a big thing that allowed me to join and feel good about joining this company and feeling like it's home. But like you said, what is differentiates midday squares from this crazy saturated market that you know you, you have thousands, if not tens of thousands of brands in it? I think A, we're in the refrigeration. So we're in the refrigerator. So our bars live there because we're fresh. We don't use preservatives or additives, so they have an expiry date. 2020, consumers love that. They love the idea of eating real foods, right? In packaged goods. So right then and there, it allows us to separate ourselves from the 10,000 brands on the supermarket shelf-like. But we have more and more as we enter into this market, more and more coming into the fridge to crowd the fridge. So right now, there's like 10 good brands in the fridge. In the On the shelf, you have about, you know, I'd say 60 if you go to all the supermarkets, just prominent brands. So you already limit your exposure to competition. It's also healthy to have competition but you limit that exposure. Number two, the way we tell our story, I think is a really big, powerful source to what we've built today. We've really focused on building community as a, a number one priority here. So what I mean by that is, we share the good, the bad, the ugly of this business. We kind of make it like a glass window so you could see everything, and I mean everything that happens here. The, like literally the biggest failures to the biggest successes, and humans love that because it's relatable to their day-to-day -day life. It's relatable to what they want to see. It invokes emotion, not just about the product, about eating the product, but you know that what goes on to make this product and how, you know, there's a podcast out there called How I Built This. You know, they always talk about how they built the business, but you don't get to see it during you only see it after we show everything during so people could stay in tune to what's going on and that builds a real strong base of people who are interested and want you to win but also want to be there for you during these crazy hard times like this crisis that's happening today and the other day you're going to see a video pop up tomorrow probably about the whole thing which because we film everything here we film we have videographers full-time in-house and a media team in-house because we believe that if you don't show everything you don't show the journey of entrepreneurship there's no way of winning this market you got to be different you got to step outside the box and trust me it's uncomfortable to show our therapy sessions of the three of us when we get really into it even about family about life and how it affects us and it's really personal stuff like you know Nick and Leslie's marriage was on the line you know six months ago and they showed that to our customer base and our customer base really felt it and I think that allows us automatically to step aside from the conglomerates like Kellogg's Quaker Pepsi Coca-Cola and all the even the mid-sized guys that are just trying to go after revenue we go after building the tribe the tribe allows us to get into locations build our brand. They've got us into Whole Foods in Canada. They've got us their attention of Starbucks. They've gotten a lot of things for us that we didn't ask for. It's because they want to be part of this journey. And I think making people feel humanized as much as possible makes a big difference. And I think the third thing is, is putting faces to the brand. Make
making sure that the faces are out there and about. Again, humanizing as much as possible. And a lot of brands don't do it. They don't show their founding team. They don't show their teams. They don't show anything because I don't know if it's fear or if it's just driven by they don't want to be on the camera at all. I think it has a major downfall for them in 2020 and for going forward because the world's media driven, right? And the food space should be too. Yeah, it's one of those things, right, where a couple things that are they're huge there, right? You talk about one, letting people peek behind the curtain, see what's going on. And that is so important because we want to feel and we want to be attached to companies that we can have our own identity with. So if people are going through that themselves, if they're hustling, they want to see, oh, those are those people. And I can see Jake and the team and they're going through something just like how my grandpa and his family business, that happened. I remember that. And those feelings of similarity are only going to entrench people further to the company, right? And then Two, what you said is like putting faces out there and having really owners that are involved in that. It's an unbelievable asset to compete with the big people because when you don't have massive budget, you have to bank on personality. That's where the owners can come through because that passion becomes so contagious. I can even hear it in the way you're speaking, how we quickly on the fly, like we're going to have an audio issue and then, okay, we do it in two minutes and we get the audio issue sorted. That type of stuff's contagious. I think that's something that a lot of listeners can learn from to go, okay, you know, maybe I've been a little tentative or people who are listening, they're a little tentative about, hey, do people want to hear from me? I'm the founder, should be the brand. I'm always like, get out there, <laughs> put, put it out there because you're going to be able to, you know, talk about the brand in a way that no just branded piece of social media can. So that that is so huge. I do want to talk a little bit though about bringing a media team in-house filming everything vlog very uh gary v style right now that's a big commitment both time and financially what was that like what brought you guys to the, the point where you're like okay we have to take this chance and really invest in it so yeah you're so right so i think this was a moment so we have two things we called mbs midday squares 1.0 which was previous to three months ago and from the beginning to three months ago and we had a media team where we just had a videographer on board and they would just tell the story and kind of film it was an expensive salary for a food startup definitely no one thought of putting that in-house because they're like why would you focus on that when you could focus on paying listing fees in grocery stores get yourself listed in more stores do that kind of stuff demo your product so we said okay let's take the risk on this because we realized that like you said people crave that resonation that they want to have with a brand. No one wants to just buy a commodity anymore. That's so old school. That's It's really come to old school. You know, you buy a pair of Nikes because it makes you feel good. Nike's built a culture. They've built a brand. Lululemon has built a brand. They've built, if you look at their multiple on the stock exchange, it's literally like 11 times their revenue because of the brand and tribe factor. So when we realized that we could do this not by just selling chocolate because you, you do need a product market fit that actually fits in the market, right? But you need something else. And we realized that if we could show our personalities and the true story of what's happening, people will automatically resonate around or tell people at their dinner table, you wouldn't believe what this brand's doing. They literally went through wild things. They just raised millions of dollars, but then lost this. And again, it creates buzz. It creates that word to mouth to spread. And also it allows people to come back and see what's going on and catch up on what's the deal with the company. And why we decided is that we said, if we're going to go full out on this, we need to build the brand as fast as possible. And to build it as fast as possible, we needed quick resources to do it. So people that could edit quickly, tell a story quickly, get it out there, pump it out and be high quality content, not low quality. And now with Midday Squares 2.0, we're about to 
take it to another level where we hired a producer in-house. We have a videographer full-time. We have a photographer full-time. And then we have an agency that works with us just to do bigger campaigns. So the big, big ones that we do for new flavor launches or stuff like that. But the day-to-day is very vlog. And then we also have two people on the social media, sorry, the marketing side that help this team work on arcing all the stories. I think the biggest thing that brands forget is storytelling is one of the strongest tools a brand actually has. If you don't know how to storytell, forget about selling your product. You could have the best chocolate bar in the world, the best tasting one. But if you can't get people to want to pick that up and buy it or pick it up and feel good about it, you're not going to last in this vicious ocean. It's vicious. You have competitors and conglomerates that have, like you said, budgets that are out of this world that they can go and buy up the grocery space, kick you off the shelf, but they can't do that if you have a brand and a customer base that's going to the stores begging, begging for your product because then they have to act. You apply the pressure, right? So when we made that decision to invest in media, we said, we're either going all in on it or we're not. And the decision was unanimous unanimous, and the three of us agreed. We're going all in. We told our board. The board agreed because they love watching our content. They love sitting there at nighttime at 9 p.m. saying, holy shit, what happened in Midday Squares Day? What kind of crazy shit went down? And to them, they're from the VC world, and they're just like, this is so different. This is so, it's appealing, something about it. And so we tripled down, and I could say it was our best decision to date, to be honest with you, because... We've gotten, like I said, anything from retailers on board to, you know, producers from big channels reach out to us to like, you know, investors actually through the media angle of the business, not the actual food angle. Yeah, it's unreal, right? It's one of those things from every person we've had on the show that does something similar. It really comes down to if they consistently produce media and they do it for a year and then they go by and they go, oh, shit okay, we have a community. Oh, our sales are up. Oh, like our process for creating this content is way tighter, way better. All of that starts to come to life. But after that first, you know, YouTube video or podcast, it might not feel that way, right? I mean, that's that stuff that I think is so crucial. Now, Midday Square is 1.0, 2.0. Is this predominantly on YouTube? Or I know you're sitting in a podcast studio right now. What does that look like from a actual tactical deployment standpoint? Yeah, so 100% uh, Instagram, like IGTVs and stuff, and definitely stories on IG is, is an important one. You know, they get a lot of engagement and it's the day-to-day on the stories and then the IGTV is our bigger little videos that are about like, you know, more serious things that happen. Um, YouTube, we're beginning starting January, a big YouTube. We're gonna invest in that, you know, telling bigger, deeper stories consistently. And we have a podcast. So we do have a podcast that's all about just roundtable entrepreneurship. It's the three of us get together. Sometimes we interview other entrepreneurs, but we just talk about everything like, anything that's on the table and I mean uncensored like it gets ugly like it gets deep it and it's been a great thing and we want to invest a lot more resources time and energy into the podcast because people can go down a rabbit hole and really get to know you if they just go through those episodes and we send it to our buyers we send it to our community and people love it and we're growing on it so we're realizing what people like and what they're resonating with and our customer base is really seeing that and like i said instagram has been a great tool for us facebook's great too but we don't really put renovated content on there it's just it's coming from the instagram angle and like i said i think what people are craving is again, great storytelling. And if you can't do that, and I like to hound this down for every entrepreneur out there or person in marketing, is be a good storyteller. Make an arc, make sure people feel something because that will bring them back for more. That will get them to go to their dinner table at night with their family or their friends and say, you wouldn't believe what I saw today. And that's how you grow a business very rapidly and have that domino effect. And I think that 
again, people forget about it. They're so focused on their P&Ls. They're so focused on their balance sheets. They're so focused on everything else but that. And it, it hurts them in the long run. It really does. And if anybody's looking for, you know, if they're feeling kind of stuck, like, okay, how do I tell a story, right? I would recommend this book called Story Brand by Donald Miller. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. But really just how to understand, like, what is a story arc and why that matters, I think is so, so crucial, especially if you're unfamiliar with that, right? Well, Jake, before I let you go, one, I've enjoyed this, but two, I want to let you let people know where they can pick up some midday squares. First of all, don't, that book is incredible. First of all, um, yeah, everyone should read it. So I think you should put it in your in, in your notes. Very fast read as well. Um, yeah, so Midday Squares, you can get them. If you're in the US, you could order online on our website, www.middaysquares.com. We're about to launch nationally in the US as of retailers starting January 1st. So you can get them in stores, again, located in the fridge. If you're in LA or the California region, Air One has it. Air One Market has them right now. Again, located in the fridge. And if you're in Canada, we have about 2,000 stores here. So um, you just got to check our store locator on our website and you'll get them. It's, it's very quick shipping, one to two days max on business days. Like I said, we ship refrigerated. So you get them fresh and you put them right back in your fridge when you get them. Beautiful. And I will link to Midday Square so you guys can go right in the show notes and click and go pick up these tasty chocolates. Cool, man. I appreciate you coming on today. Very insightful. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it, man. It was a great, great podcast. All right, everybody. That's it for another episode of Mind Your Marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Yourself something.